Turn with me, please, to Matthew, the uh, sixth chapter. Matthew 6. A uh, few weeks ago, I did a single. (laughs) What, What are you laughing about? And then we did another one. So I guess that would have been a what? A double. (laughs) Now I realize it could be a series. (laughs) You're not surprised at all. In seeking the Lord, I was reminded of this and perceived that we did not finish it, that we need to continue in it. And we called it No Worries. In Matthew the 6th chapter and the 25th verse, let's read from there through the end of the verse. And I'm going to, well, we'll just read it in the King James and then I'll mention some other things. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Have you ever got concerned about getting your groceries? Then you didn't do what he told you to do. (laughs) You ever got concerned about your clothes or for your kids? Then you didn't do what he told you to do. Should we take him serious on this? Or just assume we can't do it? Would he tell us to do something that he knows we couldn't do. No. Mm-mm. Let's take it serious. Jesus said take no thought. Other translation says don't be anxious. For your life. What you shall eat. What you shall drink. For your body. What you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat. And the body than raiment. Most everybody. Especially Christian people. Know worry is bad. I mean most any believer you'd find. You say you know. Do you enjoy worrying? Is worrying a good thing? You think worrying is good? Most Christians would say no. And yet, most Christians continue to worry a lot and be anxious. Why? Well, that's what we began talking about in this series we're calling No Worries. One reason here is a lack of understanding of priorities. Everybody say priorities. Priorities. Not knowing what's important and what's not. Because so much of what human beings, Christians, believers, worry about to God is not important. And if we saw it through his eyes, it wouldn't be a big deal to us. You know, when you were three, when the, the head came off your dolly, it maybe was a traumatic thing. <laughs> right? It was like, oh no, <laughs> your favorite dolly, and you cried, and you, you felt so bad, and, <laughs> or you, you know, maybe it was your G.I. Joe, or whatever, your dump truck, or whatever it was, but <laughs> it broke. <laughs> The guys were waiting on that, I guess. Okay. All right. (laughs) But now you don't see it that way. If a piece came off 
of a plastic toy. You don't see it that way. To you it is no big deal. Well from God's perspective. So many things that people get so upset about. And worry about and fret about. To him is like you know. The, the part coming off the plastic toy. So can you see what he said? Your life is more than food. And your body's more than clothes. He's saying if you're worrying about clothes and food, you're not thinking right. If your father is the one who created the planet, food shouldn't be a big deal. And he goes on to describe if your father's the one who clothes the hillsides and the mountains and then he could probably find something for you to put on. Right? Keep, keep going. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't save and gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? And so we spent a whole evening talking about looking at the birds. Is that right? Considering the lilies. Birds are eating everywhere around the planet by the billions. Is that right? Eating, eating. Birds are eating everywhere. You probably, if you'd have paid attention, would have seen some birds eating somewhere today. What's the message? If the birds eat, I'm going to eat. No reason for me to worry about it. Because those birds are not worrying about it. Now this is not just some abstract thing. This is what Jesus told us to think about. And he told us this is how we're to see it. Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought, anxious thought, can add one cubit to his stature? This is another thing. Why do people worry when they know it's not good? One is priorities. Not understanding what's important what's not. Another is pride. Pride and fear, they go together. What do you mean? Thinking you can fix something that's way too big for you to even begin to make any difference with. And being too fearful to give it to somebody who can fix it. And just persisting in this idea of, well, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And so holding on to it, even though there is no hope of you fixing this. That's why many people are worrying, worrying, worrying about things there's no way they can fix. what, What do you do? If you really care about it, how can you keep from worrying? You get in faith. You cast the care of it over on the Lord. You give it to somebody who can do something about it, and you trust him to do something about it, and you sleep and rest. It's possible. Do you believe it, saints? Verse 28. Why take you thought for raiment, clothes? Consider the lilies. Now notice he keeps saying consider. Consider the birds. Consider the lilies. This is a third big reason why people... Uh, Many Christians, even though they know worry is bad, they continue to worry. One is priorities. The other is pride and fear. This one is passivity. 
passivity. Most of the church has not discovered that you don't have to think on every thought that comes to you. That you can pull your focus off of the thing that is disturbing you and distressing you and put it on something else and keep it there. Most of the church either hasn't heard this or they don't believe it. It has been far too easy for the enemy to just destroy people with fear and anxiety and worry. All he has to do in most cases is just bring some fearful thoughts and feelings. And people will just take them and think them and think them and talk them and think them and stew in them until all their peace is gone, all their joy is gone, all their strength is gone. He's playing us. Has been. Somebody say no more, no more, no more. If he says, consider the lilies instead of what? Instead of considering how bad I need clothes, how much they cost, how I just lost my job, how the kids' shoes are not looking good. See, you consider that, you're going to worry. You're not going to be able to escape it. You consider the lack, the need, the high price, your other problems, you're considering the wrong thing. And you're just being passive and thinking on whatever thoughts and feelings the enemy brought to you. Just sitting there, soaking in it, stewing in it, you'll be full of fear. But the Bible said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. You can do it. You can reach up and go, click, change the channel. Do you believe it or not? You can. You can make, you, you, you can get a hold of your mind. And you can focus it on something else. And the most effective way to do that is right under your nose. It's your mouth. When you start talking about something else, it imposes those thoughts on your mind. Don't try to wage a silent mental battle. Wrong thought, mm-mm, right thought, wrong thought, right thought, mm-mm, mm-mm. Open your mouth. Do you doubt it? No. We've done this little exercise, it'll bear repetition. We've got a number of people that maybe hadn't seen or heard this before. I want to do an exercise with you. Will you do it? Yes. Easy, you can do it. You can try, let me put it like that. I want you to count when I say start, count from 1 to 25 mentally. In your mind you'll be going 1, 2, three, four, but silently, mentally. And I'm going to lead you in a confession in the middle of that, but don't stop counting. Don't lose your place. Are you ready to start? Now, when you hear me say something, you say what I say, say it like I say it, 
but don't stop counting internally, mentally, silently. Are you ready? Begin counting mentally, silently, 1 to 25, now. Jesus is Lord. Don't stop counting. He always, he always gives me the victory. Gives me the victory. What number are you on? Huh? What happened? This is a wonderful revelation. Wonderful revelation. Instead of just sitting mentally wrestling with wrong thoughts and wrong feelings, God gave us. One of the most powerful weapons. Begin to affirm and say with your mouth what you should be thinking on and saying. It superimposes that thought on your mind. And everything else has to pause while you do it. Now if you stop, the thought may come back. So if you're smart, what will you do? Crank it up again. Make your mouth do its duty. Jesus is said to be the the high priest of our confession. He works with what we say. So important. We're going to see more of this perhaps later. But uh, being passive and not doing this is one of the biggest reasons why people who know better than to worry keep on worrying anyway. Because thoughts and feelings will come to you. I don't care who you are. Wrong thoughts, wrong fe- of fear, of lack. If you care about something, care about somebody, and some bad things are going on, you can't just do nothing. It will affect you. It'll hit you. You'll worry. You'll fear unless you make the choice to say something else and focus on something else. And believe something else. When Jesus said consider the lilies. Is he telling us it's within our power what we focus on. What we think on. What we talk about. Then it's our choice whether we're in fear or faith. Because it's our choice what we've decided to look at. And think about. That's why again the scripture says Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him. In perfect peace. Not who just begs and asks for help night and day. Him him or her who keeps his mind stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And Romans says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I know I was ministering to a lady some years ago, who had been in and out of mental institutions for years and was just in, in bad, bad shape. And I was endeavoring to help her. And uh, the Lord prompted me to go take her to Joshua uh, 1, where he told him, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it night and day that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. And uh, I began to talk to her about that. She interrupted me. She said, you can't think on the Bible and and those things night and day. But now let's just analyze this. Did the Lord tell us to do it or not? 
Would he have known if we could do it or not? So who's right? Who's wrong? <laughs> and, and I didn't realize it, but when she said that, the Lord gave me the answer. It came right up in me. I said, dear, it's not a matter if you can think on something night and day. You're already thinking on something night and day, and it's obvious it's the wrong thing because you keep having to go in the mental institution. That will keep him. How many believe the Bible? Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Can you keep your mind stayed on him instead of something else? Yes, sir. It's possible. You can. And notice again in that passage in Joshua, the first thing he mentioned wasn't meditate. Put it up on the screen for us, please. What, Joshua 1, 8, is that it? Joshua 1.8, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Which came first, mouth or meditate? Mouth. mouth. Why? Because of what we just demonstrated. This is the most powerful tool you have to imposing the right thing on your mind when it's a struggle to keep the wrong thing off. That's worth you coming out tonight, I'm telling you this. The truth will make you free if you'll do it, if you put it into practice. Uh, go back to Matthew 6, let's finish reading that. He, in verse 29, he said, I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? The less faith you have, the more you worry. The more faith you have, the less you worry. Period. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. Say it out loud. Take no thought. Take no thought. Now this is talking about anxious fearful thought. A lot of other translations actually say anxious. Don't take any anxious, fearful, worried thought. Look at your neighbor, help them out, say don't take it. Don't take, don't take what? I know this is not good English, but respond and say, I ain't going to take it. I <laughs> see you like saying that. You don't have any problem saying that. I ain't going to take it. We're, we're not going to take it. Take what? A thought of worry and fear. Do most people do this, do what Jesus said? No. No, most people don't even start to do this. But should we take him seriously? Should we believe we can do differently than most of the world? Is it possible to have peace that passes understanding, keeping your heart and your mind? Even in the midst of bad situations. Is it possible? Yes, it is. It is. It is. He's the God of peace. Take no thought. Saying. There's that mouth again. Right? Here's the difference. Instead of saying, what are we going to eat? I want you to hear not just the sentence. I want you to hear the tone. I want you to hear the spirit of that. That's an unbelieving phrase. 
home. What are we going to eat? Where is it going to come from? Where are we going to get the money for the kids' clothes? Now here's something you'll see. People who are yielding to fear try to put fear in others. They try to share it. People who are yielding to wrong pressure will turn around and try to pressure you. Sometimes they'll look at you. What are you going to do? <laughs> what do you mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> I've had people tell me that. Well, you're a preacher. Y'all have a church. What are you going to do about this? Who said I should do anything about it? <laughs> i tell you what you should do. Get in faith. What does that mean? Faith puts no pressure on people. Period. This is a source of all kind of marriage problems. Wives putting pressure on their husbands. Husbands putting pressure on their wives. What are you going to do about this? You got to fix this. You got to make this happen. You got to do this. That is ungodly. That is faithless. It's not love. It's wrong. It's totally unchristian. When you get in faith, you look to God. You put, said out loud, no pressure. No pressure. On people. Period. Period. What are we going to eat? <laughs> Come on, help me out. Do you hear the tone of that? Do you hear the tenor of that? Do you hear the spirit of that? Well, what are we going to do? <laughs> I know why you're laughing. You've heard this before. <laughs> well, where is it going to come from? How are we going to get through this? There is an answer, but you're nowhere near it right now. You're not giving God anything to work with. You're acting like an unbeliever, acting like an unsaved person. Instead of saying that, what are we going to eat? How are we going to get this? Where's it going to come from? Instead of saying that, could you say something else? Could you say something else? Yeah, you can say, God feeds the birds. Is that right? He's going to feed me. God covers the hillside with beautiful flowers and grass. He's going to cover me with some good clothes. You could talk faith. You could change the channel over this fear and worry and unbelief. And you could say, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He'll feed me all my life long. I won't do without. My kids won't do without. Come on, y'all with me? You could give God some words he can work with and give the devil nothing he can work with. Give him no place. Because when you start hyperventilating and hollering about what in the world are we going to do, and, and, and actually people, Christians, start using the Lord's name in vain. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. That is using the Lord's name in vain. What do you mean, Brother Keith? If you're not talking to God or about God, specifically, you should not use the word. This OMG is a bad thing. Y'all with me or not? This is a bad thing. It's completely disrespectful of God. 
You should, if you used the, the term God, you should be talking to him or about him. Otherwise, you're using it uselessly. That's what in vain means. So no. I mean, people think that's religious. And I guess maybe it is. Man's religion. Nothing to do with God. What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? What are you going to do? We don't have money for this. Do you know how much this is now? It's gone up. <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What could we do? We could obey Jesus. We could do what he said. And not take these anxious thoughts. And not say these unbelieving, fearful things. It honors God when we trust him. When we're under pressure, when it feels under the gun, but we look up and say, he's taken care of us all our life long. He will take care of us this time. It will be fine. You watch and see. It'll be better than okay. We're not just going to scrape by. We're not just going to survive. We're going to thrive. You watch and see. We're going to come out of this shining. Hallelujah. The Lord will get glory out of how he works this out. He's not trying to figure it out. He already knows. And that should give you comfort that he already knows. Philippians 4, go there, please. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for what? Full of care, full of anxiety, for nothing. put, Put the Amplified up there, please. Amplified translation. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that true? Is it possible? Said out loud, do not fret. Or have any anxiety about anything. That's not a period next. You can't just not worry and that be the end of it. You've got to replace worry with something else. In every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known to God. No worry but lots of thanksgiving. Instead of saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to do? What are we going to get? You're saying, thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for feeding us. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Where are we going to get it? Where are we going to get it? Hush that. Quit. You're blocking your blessing. You're getting in the way. No. Say, it's coming. It's coming. We'll have more than enough. We'll pay every. Do you see why we make these confessions at offering time? We'll have more than enough. We'll have plenty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7 And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Does it matter what you think on? Can you control what you think on? Here's a list of what you're supposed to think on. If it's not on the list, it shouldn't get in. 
I had a fellow one time tell me, he said, I got this, Brother Keith. I mean, every mind needs a bouncer at the door. <laughs> well, he's describing his, his past and experience. But uh, he's right. He's right. Here's who's on the list. What? Are you there? True thoughts. Are you true? Thought come to you? You should look through the peephole and go, who are you? Where you come from? Are you true? Then sorry, you don't get in. You're not on the list. Uh, honest, just, is it a pure thought? You don't look pure to me. No, get out of here. Get out of here. here here's what, lovely. Is that a lovely thought? That's enough to not let it in. Right? Is it a good report? Oh, no, you bad report. You got to stay out there. Nope. Nope. You don't get in. If there's any virtue in it, if it's praiseworthy, think on these things. It'll change your life if you'll do this. Absolutely change your life if you do this. Those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. First Peter 5. 6 and 7, you don't have to turn there. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 said, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care, talking about anxious care, upon him, for he cares lovingly for you. When something becomes an anxious care to you, you need to get rid of it. And you can tell that it's not something you should have by what it's doing to you. It's vexing you. It's wearing you down. It's draining you. You need to get it off of you. You need to cast it. Give it to somebody who can do something about it. Cast is a strong word. We'd say throw. Throw it off. Throw it off. I had the privilege of uh, working under Brother Kenneth E. Hagin Sr. for 20 years. And uh, he practiced this. Casting his cares on the Lord. Somebody came one day and they had have a big campus there of buildings and takes millions of dollars to run them and all that. Somebody said, man, you must. He, they, he was walking across the campus with me. He said, man, you must carry a heavy load. He said, oh, no. Nope. I just run try to keep up with the Lord. <laughs> this is his. It's his responsibility. Back when... Uh, he was traveling road ministry. His, his wife, Miss Aretha, was getting perturbed with him because he didn't act as concerned about some things as she thought maybe he should. She, I'm, I'm quoting her now. She said later on she learned how to cast her cares over on the Lord. But in the early days, she wasn't doing so good. And, and they did had quite a discussion in the car about some things. <laughs> and they got to the front door on the porch and and he was fumbling to get the key to get in. And, and she said, I don't think you'd worry if me and both kids just fell dead right here on the porch. He said, well, why would I worry then? You're already gone. <laughs> I didn't bless her. Didn't bless her. Because people think worry equals love. If you love a people... You're going to worry. If you don't worry, you don't love. The opposite is true. If you genuinely love people, you want to do something that will help them. Worry will not help them. Ever. Worry has never paid a bill. 
Worry has never healed a body. Worry has never helped a child. Never. So if you really care about them, why would you just do something that you know is not going to help them in one way? Why wouldn't you do something that can help them? Get in faith about it. But you can't worry and be in faith. Y'all with me, friends? You can't be full of fear and full of faith. But thank God, according to Jesus, you can consider the lilies. And you can say the right thing. You can focus on Him. Somebody say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians, please. I want you to notice something here. 2 Corinthians 7, 4. He said, uh, the Spirit of God through Paul said, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Now, let's just stop right there. Tribulation, another word for that is trouble. And you'll find other words connected with this, distress and other things, include the idea of pressure. In trouble, in tribulation, in pressure, Paul's saying he's filled with comfort and he's exceeding joyful. Is that possible? What do you think? Is the Bible true? Yes, sir. Is he lying about this? No, sir. Well, this is the Spirit of God speaking through him, so it has to be accurate. Is it possible to be filled with comfort in the most trying of circumstances? Is it possible to have exceeding joy in serious tribulation and trouble? Many people don't think so. They don't believe it's possible. They'll cry and get mad at you and say, I can't help it. If you're going through what I'm going through, you'd be a basket case too. I can't help not being able to sleep. I can't help not worrying. I can't help it. Well, either what the Lord said is true. Let's just stay with that. What he said is true. It's possible. Come on, say it out loud. It's possible. In the middle of trouble. To be full of comfort. And exceeding joyful. This is a very good thing because the peace of God keeps your heart and mind. Keeps you from becoming unstable. Keeps you. Protects you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. With enough of his strength, you can make it through anything. Let's keep going. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Now we already know, in the middle of it, he had peace and joy. He just got through saying he did. Without, everybody say without, Without. were fightings. Within were fears. Say that like without. Without. Within. Within. Without and within. Within. Verse 6, he went on to say, Nevertheless, God that comforts those that are cast down comforted us. 
by the coming of Titus. You know, one of the big ways God blesses ministers to you is through other people. Amen. It's him, but it's coming through them. Amen. The Weiss translation says, I was having pressure brought to bear upon me from every side. On the outside contentions within fears. The Amplified said, I had no ease or rest, but we were oppressed in every way and afflicted every turn, fighting and contentions without, dread and fears within. Now there are things that can push against you and pressure you from the outside. A lot of things. And you don't have control over many of those. The outside pressures. There's a few of those you can change and control, but most of the outside pressures you are not in control of. You are in control of your response to them. You don't control everything going around you necessarily, a lot of things you don't, but you should be, we can be, in complete control of our response to them. Just because it's bad doesn't mean I have to come apart. Just because it's a big thing that's needed or a terrible thing that's happened, I got a choice to make. What am I going to think about? What am I going to talk about? I know some years ago there was a trauma that happened, a situation I was close to, and it really bothered me. And for a, for a couple of days, it really disturbed me, really bothered me. And the Lord, I sat down at my desk, and the Lord quickened to me. He showed me two paths, and he brought to my remembrance Romans 8, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. He showed me, if you think about what you're thinking about now, And you keep thinking about it. And you keep asking those questions. You keep pondering that thing. He said down that path is nothing but pain. Nothing but pain. Nothing but heartache. And when you get through crying. And you get through being upset. And you get through asking a thousand questions. It'll still be the same. It won't change one thing. You will have just hurt. And gone through pain for nothing. He said here's another path. If you keep your mind on me, focus on me, on what I said, say what I said. He said, there's peace and there's life. Do we have a choice which path we take? Oh, the devil doesn't want you to know this, but too late. You heard it. Is that right? Somebody say, I know it. I heard it. It's my choice. My choice. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23. Now there are pressures that come from without. You're not in control of all that. But the worst things are the internal pressures. That's the worst. The fears, the anxiety, the angst, 
the regret, the, the shame, the, the pressure within is actually torment and it's actually a taste of hell. It's not as bad as the whole thing, but it's a taste. Did you know you can have tastes of heaven? Even days of heaven. On the earth, doesn't mean everything is like heaven. But you can also taste hell on earth. I know people use that phrase, but it's actually accurate sometimes. People do experience a little bit of hell. And this internal pressure, I mean, people lose their minds over the, the pressure, the anxiety, the angst. The shame, the regret, the on and on and on. Because they won't take their mind off of the thing that's doing it to them. They just keep thinking and and letting the enemy replay, 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 and just keep saying the same terrible stuff. You do that, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. You will not get free. But it's possible (laughs) to look another direction. Amen. Consider the lilies. Amen. Consider the birds. Yes. Instead of thinking about how bad you messed up, think about how powerful the blood is. Amen. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Instead of thinking about how you came short, think about the righteousness of Christ that's been given to you. Hallelujah. You've been made. You didn't earn it, but you've been made holy. By what he did. Think about that. That'll bless you. Think about the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They're working on your mansion. Tonight. Think about you. The Bible said you are a citizen of heaven. You think about the wrong thing, it brings you down. Think about a good thing, it lifts you up. Praise God. Are you there? Second Corinthians. 11, 28, again, this is Paul, Spirit of God. He said, beside those things, now he went through a list of a lot of stuff that happened to him. He said, beside those things that are without, do you hear that phrase, without? That which comes on me daily, the care of all the churches. Did Paul worry a lot? Here's a real revelation. He's the one that penned Philippians 4. Be careful for nothing. He's the one penned that. Well, how how do you reconcile that? It's not so hard. He didn't say he let it stay on him. He said it would come to him. And it would come on him. What do we know from Peter what to do with it? Cast it it off. Don't let it sit on you. Throw it off. You don't have to have some big spiritual revelation to know it's something you need to throw off by looking at what it's doing to you. Is it tormenting you? Is it vexing you? Has it stolen your joy? Has it stolen your peace? Then you have let it sit on you way too long. Is that right? Get it off of you. Throw it off of you. Well, what if it comes back? He said, that tries to come on me daily. 
Well, what did he do? He must have threw it off. Is that right? Daily, because the Spirit of God, and, and, and you know, this is probably some insight into how he found this out. The care came on him. He, he didn't have the luxury of reading Philippians. <laughs> right? It hadn't been written yet. And yet, when, when the care of all the churches, and there were some knuckleheads in these churches, causing problems and, and rifts and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, everybody likes to think, well, let's, let's do a big thing for God. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of issues. Oh, come on, let's, let's, let's get more churches involved. Okay, more issues. Huh? But it's worth it. I said it's worth it. And any, any trials or challenges are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Beside the things that are without, you know, he was dealing with people trying to kill him things without. He was dealing with the government giving him problems. He was dealing with the Jewish leaders giving him problems. He was, he was dealing with false brothers giving him problems. But that wasn't a big deal. The big one was the inside stuff. See, so the outside stuff, the inside, the internal stuff, because he cares about these churches. The church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, all these churches that the Lord used him to start. He, he genuinely cares when they're not doing good. When there's a problem. When people are being misled. When people are leaving the church for the wrong reasons. And all this stuff. And he could if he had just let that stay on him. Had been full of care about all of them all the time. But all that would do is chew him up. And he wouldn't be in faith. He's the one who pinned, casting all your care on him. Well, Peter said that, but he said, be careful for nothing. Well, how much is nothing? So it'll come. If it came to Paul, it'll come to you. What are you going to do? Help me out. I'm going to throw it off. I'm going to throw it off. And when you do. You'll experience some peace, keeping your mind on the right thing. I wish I could tell you that was the end. You, you, you're you done. You're through. <laughs> the devil is a persistent cuss. He will bring it back. And he'll bring it back. And he'll bring it back. And he'll bring it back. So if you're smart, like I'm looking at you and think you are, you're smart, what will you do? You will not let it sit on you. You will cast it off. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Look with me in... First Peter, please. First Peter 3. I can at least get this introduced to you tonight. You can go home thinking about this. It's a good thing to think about. Instead of something else that you shouldn't be thinking about. Right? First Peter 3 and 8. First Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, that's not like we think, full of pity for others, not pitiful like we think. Be courteous, well that's a big one, courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing. 
knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. If people cuss you, should you cuss them back? Only if you want to reap a harvest of cussing. (laughs) Right? If people cuss you, what do you want to reap out of this deal? I mean, whatever's happening here is probably be over pretty quick. But what about tomorrow, next week, next month? You want to reap blessing. The only way to reap blessing is sow blessing. You can't sow cursing and reap blessing. Right? (laughs) And so whether they like it or not, if they want to curse you, you can bless them. (laughs) I hate you. Well, I love you. (laughs) You know one of the great things about love? Ain't no defense against it. (laughs) People can't stop you from loving them. They can't do anything about it. (laughs) Verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Uh, We're going to read uh, Psalms account of this in a little bit, but it talks about many days. This is talking about longevity, long life and a good life. He that will love life and see good days. And like we said, Psalm says many of them. Let him do what? Two big things. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That's the first one. Guess what it is? It's your mouth. Do you want to live a long time? Do you want things to go good for you? Then watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. What are you saying? What are you saying about your future? I, uh, I, saw, I saw a thing on the news a while back, and, and some individuals were killed in what people would call a freak accident, and they weren't very old. And uh, so people a lot of times wondering, you know, why in the world did that happen? And before the report was over, they said that person had said all their life that that was going to happen. Well, see, they didn't, they didn't believe in the power of their words, and yet they're saying it. They're saying it. It matters what you say. And don't you think, I mean, you know, you, you heard the phrase, uh, what you say can and will be used against you in the court of, well, in the spiritual things. The enemy is watching you. He's listening. He's trying to find something he can use. To get access to you. And maybe the first 20 times you said it. Or the first two years you said it. You didn't really mean it. You didn't really believe it. But you keep on saying it. It'll get in you. Are y'all with me friends? And you say it and believe it. And keep saying it and believe it. The scripture said you'll have what you say. That's good or bad. What you ought to say. Anybody ready for this? With long life, he'll satisfy me. Show me his salvation. People like to say, well, man, you know, I, I live a, you know, active life. And I'd rather burn out than to rust out. You know, you know, die young and leave a pretty corpse. Stupid. It's stupid to talk like this. As somebody who has no clue 
how spiritual things work. There are times the enemy will bring thoughts of fear to you. If you, especially if you see something happen close to you or to people you care about or a neighbor or a coworker, the enemy will try to put fear in you that that could happen to you. And there are times when that fear comes, or even if you're seeing something on the news or whatever, that fear, that thought comes to you, that might happen to you. That could happen to you. You need to speak up. And you need to say, no, this will not happen to me. God keeps me. He protects me. And says, well, we, we hope it don't happen, but you just, you just never know. That's not scripture. Amen. That's not faith. Have you read the 91st Psalm? Yes. Yes. Where he talks about a thousand to fall at this side. Yes. Ten thousand to fall over here. Yes. But it won't come near me. It won't touch me. Yes. Would it be alright to quote the scripture? Yes. Would it be? Yes. The ninth, surely you got nothing against the 91st Psalm. Yes. Even if you don't like me, you got to like the 91st Psalm. Yes. Right? Yes. So just quote verbatim. The 91st song. Come on, let's do it right now. A thousand may fall at one side. Ten thousand at the other side. It won't come near me. It won't touch me. No plague will come near my dwelling. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whew. He that will love life and see good days. What do you do? Two big things you'll see here. One. Is watch your words. Pay attention. To what's coming out of your mouth. And if it's not what you want. Or what you should have. Change it. Secondly. Verse 11. Let him issue evil. And do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it or pursue it. Pursue what? Well, it's what we've been talking about all night. Peace. You're not going to make it the long life tied up in knots all the time. Worried all the time. Scared all the time. Upset all the time. I uh, had the privilege of working at Brother Hagin's ministry, like I mentioned earlier, at his healing school, actually. And during those days, I began to get interested in the topic of longevity, living long. And I actually kept files and, and scraps of uh, where I saw people live way past 100 and this and that, and looking for why and how. And the most important thing to me is the word, not the natural. And the scripture reveals this. For instance, it said, eschew evil and do good. One of the big reasons why is because there is no peace to the wicked. You live wrong, you won't have peace. That'll keep you from living long. And listen to the Psalms. Psalm 55. 
Psalm 55, 22 and 23. Cast your burden on the Lord. He'll sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Verse 23. But thou, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Don't forget the previous verse, casting it over on the Lord. You can't stay upset about something all the time and make it your full length of life. You can't fight and stay in strife all the time and make it your full length of days down here. It'll age you prematurely. It'll cause you problems that'll wear you down and make you vulnerable and susceptible to things that otherwise your immune system or whatever else would have taken care of. It's not just my idea. We're reading scriptures. Peace includes healing. There's healing in peace. Is it possible to have peace in the morning when you get up? Have peace on the job. Does that mean everything has to be perfect at the workplace outside for you to have peace inside? No. Is it possible to have peace at home? That was only like four and a half people. Is it possible to have peace? Do husbands and wives have to fight all the time? Do kids have to be rebellious? Does there have to be turmoil? And strife in the house all the time, or half the time, or a lot of the time. We're believers. We can have the peace that passes understanding. And things are not going to all be perfect outwardly. But we don't just live out here, you don't just live in Florida or Missouri, or Branson, or Bradenton. Yeah, I do. No. You live in here. You live in your mind and your heart. Come on, can you see that? And it's possible to have a party in here (laughs) when things are coming apart out here. I know most people don't do it, but it's possible. It's possible to have peace that passes understanding when there's strife out here. It's possible. I'm not in control of everything out here. Some things I am, but not everything. Of course, not everybody. But I am in control of what I look at and what I think about, what I listen to, what I talk about. I am in control of my response and my focus. And if I will watch my mouth and stay in his peace, I'll keep clicking year after year after year after year 
After years, things that come up, I'll overcome them. Challenges and trials, I'll get through them. Something hits my body, I'll get healed. Y'all with me? Something hits my relationship, we'll overcome it. If you can just relax and trust God and not give up and quit and give him some time and trust him, he'll get you through it. Every time. He'll get you through it. Can he get you through it every time? Does he want to get you through it every time? I read this one time and it's a it's a good example of this. The guy said, have you ever been to the zoo? And have you ever noticed the lion and the crocodile? Huh? Yeah, the lion and the crocodile. A lot of times you look at the lion, he's doing this. Then you go look at the crocodile. He's doing this. <laughs> you may be so still, you think he's a log laying out there. You may be like that for hours. And when the lion's bones are bleached, and maybe powder, depending on where they died, the crocodile is still around. Still around. There's a principle. How many understand you can't race your motor all the time? You can't be pegging the RPM, banging the rev limiter all the time. Years ago, I got a high-performance boat. I'd wanted one for years. I got one. And, uh, of course, to go fast in the boat, you have to push them way up. you got to push your RPM right up there. It had a, uh, a big block, a pair of big block Chevys in it. 502s, and they had hum 5,500 RPM, which is a good bit for average big block, especially back then. That was years ago. And so I, I asked the guy, one of the guys that knew about it, I said, so uh, what, you know, how, what kind of life expectancy, you know, you expect if you really push them that hard? He said, well, how many times can you blow up a balloon before it pops? <laughs> he said, I don't know. Do you? It depends on how big you blow it up. Right? right? right. That's right. It depends on how long you leave it blowed up big. Yeah. <laughs> What's he saying? Well, you're that way. How many times can you map the accelerator and be stressed to your wit's end? How many times can you do that? Worry and fear and, and not sleep and, and your stomach's all messed up and your head's all messed up and your immune system's messed up and on and on. Your nerves are messed up. How many times can you do that till you break something? Something pops. One of the big reasons God commands us, he didn't tell us to try to do this. He said, don't do it. Don't, don't take anxious thought. Be careful for nothing. Cast all your care over on me. One of the big reasons he told us to do this, we are not designed to handle it. Amen. We can't handle worry and fear and stress. It will age you prematurely. It'll break down your internal biological defenses. It will mess up the synapses in your brain, your nervous system, on and on and on. We're not designed to live stressed out and scared and worried. 
What most people don't realize, that's a choice. Now they'd argue with you, they'd cry, be upset, maybe cuss you. If you said, you, you're choosing this. And I'm not telling you to go tell somebody they're choosing it. <laughs> what you need to do is choose the right thing for yourself and be a good example of it. Give somebody something to see that's different from that. But if we're going, let's read it again in closing, I think. 1 Peter 3, are you, are you there? 1 Peter 3, verse 10. 3.10, he that will love life and see good days. In fact, I tell you, put, put up Psalm 34. I told you I'd read that. Psalm 34, 4. Because Peter is quoting this from the Psalms. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So they looked to him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. What kind of troubles did the poor man have? Money troubles. He's poor. Can God save you out of money problems? Troubles. Verse 11. Come you children, hearken to me. I will teach you the fear, the reverence of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good. Now this is God asking you, who wants to live a long time and have a good life? God's asking, who wants to have a good life and live a long time? What should we say? I do. I do. Put me down for that good life and live in a long time. Put me down. Put me down. Well, he tells you, verse 13, we have a part in it. It's not all up to God. We have a part. Keep your tongue from evil. Now, you know, when the first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage cried in their tents and said, we can't take the land, the Lord said they brought up an evil report. So evil covers more things than people think. Basically, it's disagreeing with God. And keep your lips from speaking guile. Now, guile has to do with dishonesty, deceit, lying, gets in the way of living long. Verse 14, depart from evil, do good, seek peace. Everybody say, seek peace. Seek peace. And pursue it. We should always be looking for the peace. And if we start losing peace, we should go, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Should I even be here? Should I be doing this? Well, we got to change something. Because we got to keep our peace. Right? Got to keep our peace. If we're with God, He's peace, and He's not the author of confusion or any of that. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. Keep going. The face of the Lord's against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their 
troubles. That's why you don't have to worry. The Lord is near to them that are of broken heart and saved such as be of contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. This life is not heaven. I've actually heard some people try to say, well, you know, there is no heaven. There is no hell. This is heaven. No, it ain't. It ain't close. <laughs> this, this ain't heaven. No, sir. No, ma'am. What you will experience down here because of the curse and wrong spirits and messed up people is a lot of strife, a lot of problems, a lot of afflictions. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Verse 22 said, The Lord remembers the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Now, friend, you live a hundred years plus down here. It's nothing. I mean, it comes and goes like a flash. To God, a hundred years is nothing. To him, a thousand years is like a day. Don't get to talking about, I've been doing this for 20 years. Like, that's a long time. It's nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. You do not want to leave here young and early and wrong. And miss out on half of what you were made to do. And should do. Life is short as it is. Suicide is deception. It is such a lie. That the devil convinces people. Things are so terrible. That's the only solution. Is to kill yourself. Such a lie. You'll be out of here really soon. Anyway. There's a reason why you're here. Find out. Give God a chance to fix it for you. Don't take it out of his hands. Don't destroy it. If you're a Christian, your body's not your own. To put a bullet through your head just because you decided to. It's his. He bought and paid for it. Ask him if he wants a bullet in it. He'll tell you no. Ask him. And if you'll let him, he'll show you. And if you'll get busy doing what you're supposed to do, You'll have such satisfaction like you've never had. Get in with the right people. Get your faith buddies. Right? People that love God. Doing something for the Lord to help build the church. Help preach the gospel. Help reach people. Help get people saved. Back to God. Healed. Filled. And thrilled. It'll make you happy. It'll give you peace. You'll get busy doing that. Next thing you know, you'll look up and you'll go, I'm leaving today. I'm breathing my last. Preferably, you'll be so old, the old people call you old. <laughs> because it's your right with long life. Did you hear that word? Satisfy. Satisfy. Because you've already been walking in peace and contentment. And so you didn't leave until you got satisfied. And it's not up to the devil one of his stinking diseases or one of his stupid accidents or crime or anything else. That's what Psalm 91 is describing. The arrow didn't get you. 
the disease didn't get you. Come on, have you read that? The plague didn't get you. All that stuff didn't get you. And by the end of it, you're old. Old. Look in the dictionary by old, and there's your picture right there. Old. Old. Old, full of days, full of experience in God, full of fruit. Going to be full of reward on the other side. Can you say amen? But you can't let the devil trick you and worry night and day. Be mad. If you let him, you'll be mad and upset and hurt about something all the time. Have you noticed? If you'll do it, there's something to get upset about, get hurt about, get mad about, worry about, fear about. There'll always be something outside. But you have control of inside. And the Lord said, peace I give you. My peace. Not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Does this describe complete control of what's happening inside me? I can't control everybody. can't control everything they do. can't control all the stuff in the world around about me. But I can control what I look at, what I think about, what I talk about. I can control whether I let my heart get troubled and full of fear or not. I can control that because the greater one in me helps me to do so. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.